Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today by popular demand by you, The Tully Show listeners, the hosts of the Art of Charm podcast. Hello and welcome, AJ Harbinger and Johnny Zubek. Thank you yeah, for having us. Hello, thank you. I Sure, thank you uh, for coming by. I typically like to go into more detail about who my hosts are, uh, my guests are, and what they do in the intro. Sure. But I found it very hard, actually, to put into a couple of words what it is that you do beyond hosting a podcast, which I know is more an offshoot of your general career path. So what do you guys do? We teach social skills and confidence to people who have some introversion and suffer from social anxiety. Okay, because when I think about the sort of stuff you guys do, I think it's a little bit like steroids. I'm in favor of people who have like a below functional amount of like muscle mass. I'm in favor of doctors giving them steroids so that they can function like normal members of society. I'm not in favor of people who already have like normal gifts taking things to become artificially superior. Okay. Okay. So I think it is great. I'm well aware there are some people who are socially awkward in the world, but it's a fine line with the kind of stuff that you do into becoming teaching people to be uh, manipulative sociopaths. Well, we definitely disagree there. (laughs) Yeah. You understand how your Jedi powers could be used for the forces of evil? Well, I think that's a a misconception that they're Jedi powers. Uh A lot of what we're teaching is how to get out of your own way and showcase the best parts of your personality so people can relate to you. And a lot of times, unfortunately, especially with technology these days, we're not learning how to communicate with humans effectively. And in fact, to go along with that, we're seeing record numbers of depression and anxiety going through the roof, along with um, admissions to the, to the hospitals for t- attempted suicides are now doubled in the, in the last decade. And so through this, we're just seeing a lot of people breaking, losing these skills, being able to connect and and looking for a way to reconnect to, in order to fill that void that they that is putting them in this place. When my listeners said, I said, who do you want to hear on this show? And a number of them said they would love to hear you on the show. My first instinct was, these are like a Neil Strauss pickup artist kind of thing. But you feel like you're addressing people who have like who are deficient in this and that this is like a cultural phenomenon that's going on right now. Absolutely. Okay. And we've had numerous guests on our show who are highly successful who then admit on the show that they suffer from social anxiety Mm -hmm. and they don't feel comfortable interacting with humans, but they're highly successful. And what we found is that a lot of pressure is put on getting good at school and getting good grades and getting the job. But then when you're actually in the workplace, you don't have the communication skills to wow your boss, to actually get the promotion, to manage people effectively. So yes, we started in the dating world and that was a big concern of mine in my 20s. I'm now in my 30s and we were sort of joking when we sat down. And 40s. We, we've it been doing this a long time and we had a show on Sirius back in the day as well. And yeah. With that, the dating focus was prevalent, but it's grown a lot since then. We work with women, we work with executives, we work with the military all around. The concepts of basic communication and connection 
Now, you can use those to get better with women if you want or get better with men if you're a single lady. And I will add to what AJ was saying. The thing about self-development is for all of us to grow. I think think we're all deficient in some ways. If we had a family that focused on academics, well, then we're going to be good there, but there's going to be some other places in our lives we're going to round out. If we had a a family that focused on athletics, well, then, of course, we're going to be well-versed there, but we're going to have some other areas that we're going to need to round out. And for for myself and, and AJ, we're, we're people who are consummate and wanting to learn always. And uh, and the show is an opportunity for us to share the things that we're working on, the things that we're learning, the things that we're excited about. And it just so happens that there is a lot of people from all over the world who are, are interested in those exact same things. I can understand how you get interested in the subject professionally, but how do you train yourself to train other people to to have the sorts of skills that you work on? Right. So most people realize they're socially anxious when it comes to the dating space, right? Whether they're using apps or they're going out to the bar to meet people, that's when they really realize, oh my God, I, I have some anxiety around people. And I felt that myself in my 20s, and I was struggling in my career to really connect with my coworkers and especially my boss. I was working on a cancer biology PhD at the time, and I thought I could just work hard and get the results yeah. and, and move ahead. That seems like a field where social awkwardness would fly. It's funny. It, it actually <laughs> isn't. It's not at all. So in my science career, I was hitting a wall. I didn't feel that my social skills were there to help me connect with my classmates and and with my boss, and I ended up dropping out. And we had started this podcast around dating, and my focus was around helping people with dating. And then it grew from there into, wow, this is a bigger phenomenon than just dating. This is general social skills that people are not learning in school, and they're losing these skills because they're staring at their devices. And Over the course of trial and error and being a scientist at heart, I wanted to find what's the best research on social science, how to connect with someone, how to showcase your personality in a way that's effective and get their interest. And ultimately, we started building out the course through trial and error. And and we admit some of the earlier versions of the course were working out some of the kinks. But in doing it now for the last 11 years, we feel confident that the course offers an opportunity in a safe environment for people to get outside of their comfort zone get that exposure to socialization that a lot of us haven't had because we're on our devices. We're not playing sports anymore. We're not getting involved in group activities in school. It's very much, okay, get the books done and then get into your career. So in this safe environment that we've created here in LA, people can learn how to express themselves and learn how to socialize and make some mistakes and grow from those mistakes. I know myself, the thought of failing and getting rejected was so scary that it actually kept me on the sidelines. And I look back at some opportunities that I missed out on because, well, I was afraid someone's going to say no or someone's going to say, get out of here, scram. And to go along with that, the trial and error that AJ was talking about, you know, it was mostly about listening to what the people who were listening to the show, what they wanted and, and giving them that environment. Mm-hmm. And and where I can be comfortable. Let me ask you about that, the whole like the fear of the no thing. That's interesting. I guess I hadn't thought of it in so many words, but I started uh, dabbling in stand-up comedy a yeah. few couple years ago. And I've had this conversation with a number of other comics where it, like the fear and the nerves that go into it. And then we all say we're not exactly sure what it is that we are ultimately afraid of. Like, what is the worst case scenario? You're not sure if you, you know, are on Showtime at the Apollo and you get booed off the stage, that... That is 
a pretty real thing. But if you get up in some little club and people are like, huh, you suck, whatever, they forget about you five seconds later. So, like, what is it about the no thing that you think people are so afraid of in any social situation? Uh, I just I, – I don't think that – and growing up, or they were ex- – put in a position where they had to experience that enough. And if you live in a shelter life, and we're also dealing with this phenomena of helicopter parents that is even uh, another thing added on top of the, the safety of, the, the, of all the technology, uh, where people are not put in a position to hear no or rejected or feeling, uh, knowing that they're not good enough and having to work to get better at things. They've been protected their whole life. And so when you have to deal with that at a later age, that can be terrifying. It's just like, because you, first of all, there's the embarrassment that goes with it. You don't want to have to admit it to your friends that you feel this way. And then also a lot of the technology is keeping us from being to learn tools in diffusion from our feelings and emotions that go with our thoughts and being able to separate those. Every time now that a, a, a teenager or a young adult has awkward feelings or is is has uncomfortable feelings about whatever they're doing, they could easily dive into their phone and forget about it and be instantly entertained and not have to deal with that. Uh, did you hear about uh, lawnmower parents or apparently the new helicopter parents? Yeah, I just saw this. And what you were describing is sort of more of a lawnmower type thing. Than, and I don't think it's quite as catchy as the helicopter thing. That, the helicopter thing paints the perfect I'm picture. Not, you have to explain I, it to you. And I am one, so I understand that. <laughs> uh, the lawnmower parent apparently is the one who not only hovers over their children, but sees the potential problems coming ahead of time and sort of mows over oh, them to right. mitigate them, exactly. to save them oh, from Lord. ever having to negotiate that difficult thing in the first place. I, you know, I guess you guys are on the front lines of this. I often feel like when you see these articles that they're just like straw men articles to stir up some comments. I, I'm a parent in Los Angeles. We're, we're the worst people in the world. And, <laughs> and, and I haven't even seen that parent. All I hear is all the parents saying, I don't want to be like those parents who do X, Y, and sure, Z. I right. don't, I know they're out there. I don't see a whole lot of that. I know, but I am a parent. What am I doing wrong? What are the sorts of things that you're seeing in young men and young women that ought not be, it shouldn't be that way and wouldn't be that way if their parents had done something well, different? Well, I can definitely speak from my own experience. I learned to fail in sports in high school. I learned to fail in college for the first time. So I was pretty good academically. Then college hit me like a ton of bricks. And my dad was not there to talk to the professor for me or mitigate those concerns. And we unpacked this on Friday in our boot camp, really looking at where do these beliefs that we have about ourselves and the world around us come from? And unfortunately, a lot of people hold on to one negative event and then it colors the rest of their worldview. So for a lot of our clients, they got rejected really hard in their early early adolescence, uh, whether it was someone they were interested in or an activity they wanted to pursue. And they just didn't have the wherewithal to sort of pick themselves back up and get through it. You hear this when you break dice guys down, it boils down to they lost a three-legged race one time and things have never been the same. <laughs> I wish it was that easy, right? Yeah. The three-legged race. In these situations, when you don't have a worldview that understands that failure is a part of learning and a part of growing, it can be very difficult for you then to put yourself in that position again to fail. And then you look to avoid it and you come up with coping mechanisms to avoid it, which is why we've seen this boon in online dating, because it's so easy to send a text. The rejection on a Tinder opener is a lot different than walking up to someone in a bar. Right. You're kind of just getting ghosted over and over again. 
Yeah, yeah. you swipe again, and there's a, yeah. a million other options. When we talk about rejection face-to-face, then there's the thought of your reputation. And for a lot of us, that rejection happened in high school. And it followed you maybe a year or two where you got rejected by that one girl. And now you're like, I don't want to put my foot on the line. I don't want to move things forward in that direction. So when we hold on to these thoughts of rejection, we hold on to this fear of not being worthy or even the perfectionist who doesn't even want to try because they know they'll fail then it becomes very difficult when you're thrust into a management role to put yourself in a leadership position to communicate effectively with your team. And a lot of us get really good at doing our job before us, but to get promoted, you have to motivate other people to do the job. And as you advance in your career, you realize that human communication is the vast majority of what your career entails. It is not learning to code. Most coders will only code for a few years and then they're managing coders. Same thing in medicine, same thing in research. Right. So these skills that we're talking about, you know, I learned them in the dating space and I was focused on getting better with women in my 20s. But then as I got into my 30s, well, now I'm managing a team of people and being an effective communicator and being confident in the uncomfortable, being confident when I don't know. Well, that's a skill set that needs to be developed. God, I keep hearing that phrase. It's amazing how much it's popping up, becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. My six-year-old just started taking a jujitsu class, yeah, and they're talking right about that. For six-year-olds, and I'm like, that's – yeah, go ahead. Good luck, but <laughs> well, <laughs> I like your attitude. <laughs> what, is that, what does that say about the society we're in where that is coming up over and over again, and it's something that uh, children have to learn, or we have to, as parents, make sure that – they get those lessons and cover our eyes when we know it's not going to go so well. And, and then we have to coach them through that mm-hmm. of this is going to be how life is. And if you get upset about it and if you quit, this is going to start a pattern that is going to be with you for a very long time until you cease that pattern. There's something I saw on your um, website. Uh, quote, outgoing, confident guys weren't born with charisma. You stand by that? Yeah, I think charisma is a skill that we learn. I don't think anyone is born with charisma. I think there are certainly people who are raised in families that were extroverted and Mm -hmm. were able to pick up what their parents and siblings were doing to make them successful and sort of mimic them. And obviously, in studying biology, that's a big part of looking at primates. We mimic to learn. So a lot of us didn't grow up in that environment. I had a single dad who was an introvert. And he didn't have a lot of friends. He didn't have a a crazy social life. So when it came to me learning to socialize, I was pretty much on my own. I wanted to keep to myself. I wanted to not share as much because, well, that's what my dad taught me. You know, you share too much. People can use that against you. And yeah, we we passed down these these stories, these narratives about ourselves and the world around us to our children, unfortunately. And there, there are certainly a number of students that come through our course who share that worldview of being uncomfortable with how to socialize because their parents were shut-ins. Their parents went to work and came home and didn't have friends over and didn't have the socialization that can build that charisma. And I will go on with that with a lot of times one of the concerns about coming in for somebody who, who sees themselves as an introvert is, oh, no, if I go there – they're going to attempt to try to make me an extrovert. And that isn't the case. Well, we understand that we live in a world that extroversion largely gets rewarded. So we want to help an introvert get the skills that they need to be rewarded in an extroverted, rewarded world. So I have to say it was intimidating coming in today because the nature of what you do is uh, such a 
granular analysis of social interaction. And literally from the time I say hi to you, I'm like, I'm saying hi all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrible. That was the worst time. That was the worst time you've ever done. A lot of people get that, have that feeling around us. I miss your hand on the handshake and it is still bugging me. And this is why I didn't even, I didn't even pick that up. It's not, it's nothing that, that, that I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. and for myself. Okay. So let's, let's go with that. So you come in, you introduce yourself uh, I want to make sure that I have a big smile that shows some enthusiasm for being on your show, that you've asked us to be here, and that we're excited to have an opportunity to bar- to speak to, to some, some new people that may have not been familiar with us and get them an opportunity to check out the podcast, perhaps be new listeners. And so for me, is that to show you the energy and enthusiasm and, and thanks f- to, to be here. And I want to make sure that that comes through. I mean, that's what's on my mind when I'm walking through those doors. And we say this, this in class. Everyone's living inside of their own movie. Right. And you're the star of it. So, of course, your perception is, oh, my God, I did that. They're thinking about that. But we're all living that. So I'm thinking about the way I'm carrying myself. Johnny's thinking about the way he's carrying himself as we walk into Sirius Studios. So I think... That's something that we all need to work through. Some of us get that life experience, and that's great. Some of us don't have those opportunities in school, don't have those opportunities in life to get that experience, and that's what the boot camp in L.A. offers is a safe environment where there's no hit to your social reputation. Your coworkers aren't going to know you flamed out or had an awkward handshake or didn't look someone in the eye. None of that goes on in boot camp that goes home with you. You can work through these things and then get that third-party perspective. And we're honest. We're mm-hmm. not going to lie to you and blow smoke up your butt saying, oh, my God, you're great at everything. We're going to tell you the stuff that friends and family know, but don't really want to hurt your feelings. Don't really want to go and say, hey, you know, every time I introduce you to someone, you're staring at the floor. You look disinterested or you look painful because you're not wearing a smile. And these small signals tell the other person how interested you are, whether or not you want to be there. And a lot of us, we want to be present, but we don't know how to show the right signals to the other person that we're interested, we're present, and we care. So again, the rudimentary stuff, that all makes sense. Everything you just said makes perfect sense because, yeah, who's going to tell you that? You come across awkward. You know, there's like two or three things. And it's it's kind of a shame that it, it is sort of a function of the way um, communication and direct confrontation is broken down in our society. You are supposed to have the friend who says, and and doesn't even need to say, I say this because I love you. This, dude, you do like three, you do three things and you're, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot for the rest of your life. Or I could just tell you right now and rip the Band-Aid off and nobody's going to do that. And I think 20 years ago, that friend would have said that. I think in today's world, the friend is a bit intimidated to say something because now you're going to get butt hurt. Yes. And, and now... And you could go on Facebook and, and unfriend them, friend and, and block them. Like, people are very guy. touchy nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Extremely. And I that goes with online dating. It goes with um, building a social circle. Uh, <clears throat> I see it all the time. How many times a day, if you just go on Facebook, do you see someone go, "I cleaned out my friends list today"? You, yeah. If you're reading this, you made the cut. I see it at least three times a day. Oh my god, I'm so glad I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, it's 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 mayhem. I've it's, gotten it's, that text it's, from it's... celebrities a couple times. That actually kind of feels good when they're just like, just so you know, new phone number. You still got it. And I'm like, oh yeah. My I'm last with the face player from whatever. My last my last <laughs> thought of sitting on Facebook and just going through. I was like, is everyone just losing their mind? I and it's just now it's just like I can't I can't even go there without having getting mad or upset or like I can't deal with it. So people are sensitive, mm-hmm. but people are also looking for the hard truth. And I think when it comes to gaining an edge, 
everyone is looking to become a top performer. They're looking for that edge. And right now, social skills offers that edge. When everyone in school <clears throat> has the good grades and everyone <clears throat> in school has the, the great test score, well, how are you going to wow them on the interview? It's going to be social skills. It's going to be your ability to showcase your emotional intelligence. And I didn't learn it in school. I learned it the hard way. It took a lot of trial and error and a lot of failure and frustration. And I suffered from anxiety and depression. And I had imposter syndrome in graduate school. Didn't even know what it was until I started I don't, I don't doing know what that is, deeper dive. So imposter syndrome is when you are in a situation where you are average or above average, but internally you feel less than. You feel like an imposter. And you feel like at some point everyone's going to come in here and go, you don't need a show, Tully. I don't know what you're doing here. You're not talented enough to be here. And you have this sinking feeling inside of I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I got that in large part from my dad yelling at me that I'm not good enough over the years. Yeah, that'll so do it. You yeah. build that up and then you get thrust <laughs> in a situation where everyone around you is a top performer. You start to think, what am I doing here? I got in the wrong way. I, I don't belong here. And working through that, you know, there are very few resources. There are very few places to go to be like, okay, I have a problem, help me fix this socially. And, and it, as we developed out the coursework, we realized that this is a much bigger problem than mm -hmm. just dating. This is a much bigger problem than just finding that other person to be with the rest of your life. This is a problem that pops up whether you're socializing at work, whether you're socializing uh, outside of work, or you're trying to date. And it, and all, it lends itself to usually happening the first one or two years of a new job. So you're still learning on the fly a lot of those times and you and you're working around a lot of people who may have been there a bit longer. So it's it's easy to think at any moment this could be ripped from me. I don't belong here, even though the reason you're there is because you were qualified. So. What are the basic bullets that you tell people for that very situation? What are like the major bullet points that you find people want from you? Well, most people want to know what to do to either start a conversation or if the conversation feels like it's losing steam. Right. Yeah, I suck at that. Again, <laughs> actually, it's the comedy thing because I'm out of the social circuit. I'm married and my wife and I have banter. So we're that's pretty much all the conversation. I, and plus, I'm, I talk on the radio for a living. So I talk <laughs> a lot, actually, come to think of it. But you meet other comics and, oh, have you met so-and-so? And you're like, once you get beyond, like, where are you from? Yeah, the small talk that yeah. everyone sort of peters out. Right. And in large part, it's because we are not good listeners. We are living our own movie. We're in our head thinking about that awkward handshake. Yeah. Oh, Johnny's going to remember that handshake. We're not actually listening to what Johnny's saying. And then all of a sudden, the conversation collapses on itself and both sides feel awkward. So we teach a very simple formula that really drills down in how to listen to someone effectively not be on your phone, not scrolling through Instagram. Oh, cool story, Johnny. That's great. Oh, I hope you got these likes. How to be present in the conversation so that you can effectively move the conversation forward. And then if it turns into a connection that you want to follow up with, have the tools and the confidence to do so. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been out and I've had a great interaction with someone who wants to network with us and wants to be in touch with us. And then the next day, two, three days later, nothing because they don't know how to follow up. So the skills of how to walk up to someone, nail that first impression, how to get the conversation going or moving in a direction that's meaningful, not the weather or, hey, you know this person, and then how to follow up with someone. Well, those are three skill sets that we focus on in boot camp because when you develop those, you become pretty likable. You become pretty charismatic. You stand out for the right reasons. Okay, so specifically, let's say in a nutshell, first impression, like what do you tell people? How do you, how do you make a good first impression? 
First impression starts with body language. Most of us are judging people before we actually interact with them at all. So across the room, we're going to see someone and immediately our subconscious mind is going to paint a picture about that person. They're introverted because their arms are crossed. They don't want to be here because they're looking around the room. They're not making eye contact. So these signals we look to change immediately. Standing with open body language, not crossing your arms when you're walking through a doorway and you're introduced to someone. It's a very comfortable way to walk, though. Uh, no, I'm joking, but I do that constantly. And crossing I, your arms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I go to comedy shows and, and I do it, and then the comedian calls me out for like judging them and hating them. And I'm like, I actually, I feel very comfortable sitting like this. I don't really know where else to put my arms. But it's so weird to me that everybody reads that as such a defensive, you know, um, uh, introverted posture. It's not just a nice way to sit. Well, to, to go along with that, first of all, when you're uncomfortable, your body is going to do one thing. It's go- or when you're uncomfortable, your body's going to work to get itself comfortable. And so if this protection allows you to go inside and work through whatever the uncomfortableness is, whatever the anxiety is going on, that allows you to feel good. Now you just send a message to everyone else in the room that cold is being one, but that's not the way everyone's reading it. Yeah. You just said what? everyone's reading it. This guy doesn't want to be here. He He's nervous. He's going through something. He doesn't look fun. So you're off the radar as somebody who is looking to be sociable. Okay. But Wait, to, to, go, go to go along with that, that's the message you're sending outward. But there's also a game that you're playing with yourself and your mind when you do this because how you move affects the way you think and feel. Right, sure, okay. And so if I'm crossing my arms to get myself more comfortable, I'm now closed off to the room. Now, I have to rationalize to myself why I need to protect myself in this situation. So what do you think I'm going to tell myself about the crowd that's there or the venue that that I'm in or the music that might be playing that has me needing to protect myself in this situation? It's not me. It's them. Right. You're going to take a defensive posture, uh-huh. and then that defensive posture is not going to allow you to be open enough to actually welcome new connection, welcome conversation. So- Making eye contact is another big one. A lot of us, when we're nervous, we try to avoid eye contact. We're either looking at the floor or we're looking around. But eye contact is a signal of confidence. And when you're talking to someone for the first time, you want to make sure you're making good eye contact with them. A lot of us don't learn that in school. And again, we're going back to coping mechanisms. Well, I feel unsafe, so it's better and easier for me to look around the room. Science shows that when you're making eye contact, you're actually more engaged. You're allowing the brain to follow along the conversation. Same thing with open body language. So we say the mind leads the body and the body leads the mind. When you're behaving with body language closed off, your mind is going to start to be closed off. It's going to make it very difficult to make that next joke, that witty one-liner, because you're not listening. You're not in tune with the room. So these small signals, and I know... It sounds very small, like, why are we worried about this? But it sets you up for success. Most of our clients that come to us, they have friends, they know how to socialize, but their first impression is poor. So people don't want to walk up and approach them. People don't want to give them an opportunity. So we start there. When we start getting the first impression going, then we want a simple tool to get the conversation going in those moments where, oh, I couldn't think of something funny to say or something situational didn't happen. We've all been there where we want to talk to someone, but we can't think of that one witty thing to say. Well, we need something to fall back on that is effective. And a question is the easiest way to get the conversation moving. Most of us are afraid of questions because we've been taught, oh, if you ask too many questions, you're boring, you're needy. 
The question allows the other person to share something. So you're taking interest in them, which automatically makes you interesting. And it's picking their favorite topic, which is themselves. Right. If everybody's only really kind of thinking about themselves, then ask them about themselves. Is, right. It's that very makes easy yeah. to get the conversation moving. Now, the trick is actually listening because that's where a lot of us with anxiety, if we're crossing our arms, that's where we turn inward. We're just listening to the own voice in our head. Oh, that question was awkward. I wasn't making eye contact with him when I asked that question. And their answer just flies right over your head. So the skill that we practice in the boot camp is all based around how to listen more effectively. And most of us are listening just for details, just for snippets, like a name we recognize, a location. Oh, I've been to that restaurant. We're not listening to the emotional content that's coming out of the conversation. Sure, that restaurant is great, but what if they hated that restaurant and you weren't listening to the emotion behind what they're saying or you weren't reading their body language about their dislike of the restaurant? If you're like, oh, I've ate an animal too, and, and the whole conversation was about how much they had a terrible time an animal, you're not going to be relatable. You're not listening. So working on our listening skills, especially in a digital age, it sounds very rudimentary, but it's very difficult for a lot of us who have this device in our pocket that allows us to go inward and allows us to guard ourselves from the opportunity to connect. And anxiety, tension, pressure, this is all going to add to that. And so... A lot of us will feel that, well, when I'm hanging out with my friends, I do listen really well. Well, yeah, that's what your friends, that's when you're comfortable. But meeting somebody for the first time, there's tension and pressure on both sides of that. And a lot of basic eye contact, smiling, open body language, a lot of these things fall apart when there's anxiety going on. Then you, and because there's anxiety, you're focused inward. You cannot focus on the other person. And so, through the workshops, it gives people this opportunity to work through the anxiety, to have that dissipate so they can begin to go from focusing when inward to focusing outward and perfect these listening skills that will, that will help them. And what we do mm -hmm. is we, we film them. And I'm sure as a stand-up comic, when you saw yourself on stage for the first time, you're like, wait a second, I don't look like that. You know, I'm, internal... making, I'm making my business to not hear any recordings of myself. <laughs> right. You, uh, your internal yeah, projection yeah. Of, yeah. of what you feel inside, you project out, but that's often not the case of what third party is seeing yeah. you on stage. So having that video component where you get to see for yourself what's going on when I'm nervous, what's going on when I'm in conversation and I'm in deep in thought. Oh, wow, I do reflexively cross my arms and I don't even think about it. The video allows us to showcase for you exactly what's going on in these nervous moments so we can start to work through them. And everything is grounded in basic science, the basic science of exposure therapy. When you look at any fear, any phobia over the last 50 plus years, science has shown that slow exposure to that fear. So let's take an example of being afraid of spiders. If you're deathly afraid of spiders, well, what classic science would say exposure therapy is first start looking at pictures of spiders. Then let's get a stuffed spider in the room. Then we'll introduce you to a real spider. We take that exact same principle in the boot camp. So we're going to expose you to safe and comfortable interactions first. People you already know. We're going to tease that out. Then we're going to start to take you out in Hollywood where you're going to get real world experience applying these concepts with people that you don't know in an environment that is foreign to you. And as you work through this, by the end of the week, you will have been exposed to those things that scare you. Approaching a stranger trying to talk to a woman that's beautiful, 
stopping someone on the street to have a conversation, asking a question uh, when I'm standing in line at the restaurant and I think everyone is too busy to want to talk to me. You get all those small wins at the end of the week, you start to build this social confidence in yourself and you feel like, wow, some of these things I was thinking about, some of these things I was worried about, they don't actually happen. Like no one throws a drink in my face. No one storms off. No one tells me to buzz off. Okay, well, maybe I can lean in a little bit more at work. Maybe I can lean in a little bit more when I get back home. And there's that one girl that I've been thinking about that I really want to approach. Well, now I feel comfortable at least taking that risk. And to go along with the video work that AJ was talking about, and, and you made mention of how you didn't want to see those uh, those routines. On, yeah, on yeah, yeah. I'm, jo- I'm joking, but, but it's, it's yeah, it, everybody has an aversion. Of, of, of course. Of course. Um, when the, the tension, pressure, anxiety is there, it's going to man- manifest itself in some way outward. And of course, when we film, we can be able to pick those things out. Maybe it's uh, rubbing the hands. Maybe it's scratching the neck. Maybe it's getting smaller. Uh, a lot of times, tall people, when meeting somebody, will try to make themselves look less intimidating by shrinking. Oh, I had a girlfriend like that. I was like, I, I knew you were five, you know, I knew you were six foot when I asked you out. Like, yeah. that's cool. Stop doing that. Well, that's, <laughs> but yeah. it's now a learned behavior that they have to do that. And I know. The minute they see it on video and they don't like it is the minute they change it. Yeah. Such a bummer. Every photo I have of our relationship together, she's like leaning over. It's like I'm like a little kid meeting a pro athlete or something. <laughs> so you should have filmed her. That would have broke that habit. <laughs> um, so I get everything that you're saying, and I want to circle back to something I said at the start, which is it makes such total sense to me. I hate the idea that people living in America, we're, we're, you know, we're born on third base. We have so yeah. many advantages, and the fact that you might go through life, you know, watching from the the outside looking in when you just need a couple of little social you know clues to get in the game it's it's it it doesn't need to be that way but another thing the blurb for your podcast um you talk about you'll learn top strategies from experts like life and business hackers that's the language that starts to make me uncomfortable because hacking stuff sounds like a cheat code and it sounds like it's teaching people to be less than sincere in their social interactions to get what they want. I view hacking much like working with a personal trainer. You can read hundreds of articles online about keto this, the best diet for this, how much you should work, high intensity, da 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 da, and feel overwhelmed with information. Yes. What we're trying to do is distill down the quickest way to get to the result that you're looking for. Now, there's still work involved. So the hacking is also for SEO purposes. Yeah. A lot of people are searching hacking these days. So okay, say no more. Okay. 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 You guys are businessmen. I understand. But the hacking, in my mind, is cutting through the crap. Yeah, all right. Is cutting through all the information to get to the result that you want without it having to take years and years and years. And let's be honest. A lot of us find ourselves in a situation where we fell out of a relationship, maybe we're divorced, and we just don't have time to spend two years trying to learn how to Tinder and and how to do on a first date now and how to call someone. Wait, no one's calling. Now everyone's texting. So that's what we mean by hacking. It's giving you an update of where the world is Mm -hmm. and what skills you need to be more effective in today's world. Gotcha. When I get divorced, I'll hit you guys up. (laughs) And I... To go we'll hook along, you up. We'll give you a friend's family discount. <laughs> to go along with what you were thinking about that word, I mean, that we've had that internal debate how many times, yeah. right? But mm-hmm. it's, it, it always comes down to business. And you, you brought up a really good point, you know, this idea of in the U.S. we're on third base. Because if you think about social skills right now, 
anything we want, we can dial up on our phone. And most times mm -hmm. we don't even need to interact with someone. I yeah. get groceries delivered and the Instacart guy doesn't even say anything to me. He just hands <laughs> me the bag and leaves. Now, if I grew up in Mexico and I needed something, I got to interact with another human mm -hmm. to get it. I can't pull out my smartphone and just say, okay, swipe good. I'm out. Hey, I need some bananas. Hey, I need something. So we've moved so far away from socializing with other humans. We're relying so much on technology that these skills have started to atrophy and these experiences that we need to feel comfortable socially aren't there anymore. And I believe that everyone, to be in a place such as America where everyone has the opportunity to, through work to create the the ultimate life that they would want to live. I, I fully believe that, and Absolutely. everyone has that chance. Mm -hmm. However, in order for that to happen, there's the resistance that you're going to meet is everyone that you come in contact with. And some of those people have a positive disposition with life. Some have a negative disposition with life. And some will react to you depending on how you interact w with them. And so it's, we don't want to put up any more hurdles in the, to, uh, in, to create this life. And we want the, the shortest and quickest route to be able to do that. And if, if you find that you're going out there and you're not able to make headway because, well, there's, there's, a, there's a reason. You're holding on to something that's keeping you from being able to, to build this. So, and it's usually those skills. Right. Because it's going to come through the help of other people lifting you up to get those things. And, and this is why the cultivating a social circle that is based on encouragement and support of your dreams is, is so important. But at the same time, people who will tell you when you stink. Sorry. Right. All but right. that's that's, but a, that's, that's in support gotta, of those dreams, yes, right? Absolutely. No, yeah, yeah, for the right, right, yeah. tough love. Right, I've got to carefully curate my friends, uh, <laughs> my son's social circle. We got to weed out a couple of bad eggs. <laughs> um, I looked at some of the last few episodes of your uh, of your podcast, The Art of Charm, and I just wanted to see if you guys could tell me in a nutshell the sorts of things you're talking about and the sorts of advice that you have. But first, um, one of you two did an interview with some Irish guy, and he used the phrase "social capital." I don't know if that was his phrase or your phrase. Is that a, a phrase that you? work with yes it is so what is so, what does social capital mean social capital is the value of your network so okay. when we think about capital a lot of us think immediately our bank account financial but as johnny was saying earlier everything we want in life we can get through our network when you look at most job opportunities those are found through your network yes, why was sure. linkedin created because of social capital. I thought it was so people I met 20 years ago could keep sending me spam. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep keep digging you. I changed jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. So this idea of social capital is something that we started talking about, I think, four or five years ago now. Building up our wealth in terms of our network and looking for ways to support other people. Not necessarily going out about this transactionally of like, oh, this person can give me something, so I got to chase their friendship. But instead, realizing that we all have social capital internally. We all have skills. We all have an ability to listen and support one another. But are we really using that or are we just chasing dollars? When you start to think about your own social capital, your own network, the people in your network that you can support – then you start nurturing those connections, and all of a sudden you can start growing the social capital. What's so a practical thing that you have to offer or I might have to offer that's social capital? Listening is a okay. great one. In today's environment, and now we even do this at the boot camp, we ask everyone to put their cell phone in a box. And it's so funny just watching the students stare at the box. If they even sense a vibration in their pocket, they'll stare at the box. Yeah. 
So the easiest one is just be fully present. And you want to talk about a recent podcast episode. We had a guest, Michael Sorensen, on talking about how to be a more effective listener and how to validate other people and the emotions that they're feeling. Every single one of us can be a better listener for our friends. We can be more supportive. We can stop worrying about what we're dealing with for a minute and think about their emotional state and how to support them. So that's an easy win. Then there's always advice, making an introduction, right? So let's say I'm trying to start out my comedy career and I want to get on stage, but I don't know where to go. You're like, oh, I know the perfect spot. Let me talk to the manager of this comedy place and I'll get you an open mic slot. Right. That's social capital. That's something you have to offer me that a lot of us don't even think about. Like, oh, I didn't even realize I know that restaurant owner or, oh yeah, I know that bartender. He can tell you what course he took on bartending to get that skill. So these are all simple ways that we could start helping and giving value to those around us. And what we found is the more value you offer others, the more reciprocity comes your way. So instead of looking for opportunities to take and grab and steal from, look for opportunities to just give other people something of value, listening, your shoulder, an introduction, some advice. And all of a sudden, you're going to find in those moments when you need it mm -hmm. that that social capital comes back in spades. Yeah, that sounds very nice. I'd like to believe that that's true. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not saying that I suspect it's not. I, I suspect it probably is true. But... We've been in L.A. too long. Well, and here, and to, to go along with that and to show you where some people would have a knee-jerk reaction to that idea is that if you look at your interactions as transactional, okay, well, I did you a favor and I'm waiting for you to do me that one back. Well, then you know, I can get bitter if, I, if I, that's how I'm going into everything. As a high-value person, we talk about this a lot on the show, your interactions, are it's going to be the totality of all of your interactions is where you're going to see the reciprocity. So you're not looking at people individually. If you look at people individually, you're going to get butthurt. You're going to start to feel bitter. You're going to get salty in your old age, as even me at 44, I'm trying to keep a good head on. And, <laughs> um but if you look at the, the, the totality of, of all your interactions, you're going to see those small wins coming back. You're going to see somebody hooked me up on this spot. This person uh, got me a good slot uh, tonight at the comedy club. So, and, and it's those small wins that will fuel you and allow you to feel good to continue putting value out there. Well, perfect example. Mm -hmm. and, and how we ended up on SiriusXM back in the days in the first place was we were invited on the Cavino and Rich show. Yep. And they wanted to pick apart what we do. Right. Which is natural for a lot of people. How are you guys experts? And we took one of their show producers under our wing and offered some coaching. Who, who was that? Spot. Oh, yeah, he Spot. needs help. You guys, you guys, I didn't take. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's, no, he's, he's now married he's now. He's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and through that coaching and helping Spot out, we ended up being offered a dead hour on air. Now, we have no radio experience. What the hell are we doing on Sirius XM? So another example of social capital, when you zoom out and you start thinking about all the little ways that you can help the people around you, some of them may pay off, some of them may not. But when we zoom out to 10 years, I can pretty much trace back all of our big wins through small helping mm -hmm. of other people around us. And having no radio experience and giving an, an hour on Sirius XM every week, well, that was a pretty big win for us when we were starting the company. And how long did it go? That show went to what was a three-hour slot. Yeah. Four hours. Four years, three hours of airtime with no radio background. Obviously, helping people goes a long way towards giving you those opportunities. If you view everything transactionally, and we could have viewed Spot as, oh, well, they were douching on us, so we're not going to help them out. 
Those guys were douching. That doesn't sound like the Cavino. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I've never really gotten a douchey vibe off them. <laughs> uh, we have a few minutes left. So uh, the last few uh, episodes of your Art of Charm podcast, in a nutshell, um, I'm gathering. Th- I'm guessing these two were connected: becoming high value and identifying low value behavior. Mm-hmm. What the hell does that mean, Johnny? You wanna? Well, as we were just talking, uh, if you def- if we talk about cultivating a high value mindset so that you're able to look at your interactions in the totality rather than an individual basis, this will give you an opportunity to see the reciprocity and get fuel to continue to do that. Now, upon doing that, we want to make sure that the people that we start to bring into our life are going to be high value people as well, because they're going to want to help us with our goals. They're going to want to uh, reciprocate and they're going to want to help with their goals. And that's all great. And well, but not everyone that you meet is going to be worth your time. And as you might know, there's a lot of people out there who bringing into your life uh, will bring in not only you're not just bringing their physical being and you're bringing in their mindsets, their baggage, their drama, everything. You can judge a man by the company he keeps. And they'll work. You believe that. For sure. I believe that as well. Absolutely. So there there is a lot of telltale signs that show and point to low value behaviors that you want to stick away from. And such as people who are looking at things transactionally, such as someone who always has a frown on, always has closed off body language and is complaining about everything uh you know coming into serious office and the first thing's like what they didn't offer us a coffee the minute we got in here so the the biggest way to take a look at this is giving versus taking and giving is being cooperative as we discussed earlier giving people social capital taking manifests itself in a variety of ways it's being the ultimate victim so you need everyone's attention it's being the competitive person that always has to win and beat someone else or it's being the combative person who always has to argue with you. And we've all encountered these people and it just wears you down. You're like, why am I, why are we arguing over something that you don't even believe in? Oh, because you're combative. That's a low value behavior. It's a need for attention. So when we can start to identify the ways that humans take, we can start to move away from those people in our lives and start to surround ourselves with the givers, the people who are not looking to take advantage of us or not looking to be transactional. And in order to find those givers, we have to start cultivating that mindset in ourselves and in our own actions and behaviors. So identifying when we take, when we play the victim, when we try to compete, when we say, oh, well, my car's faster than you, or oh, I got a nicer watch than you, all those little ways that we compete, we combat, or we try to use our victimhood to get other people's attention, well, that taking actually repels high-value people who are going to be the ones to support you and nurture you across your entire career. Yeah, it's amazing. I've seen it in myself, and I've certainly seen it in friends. That um, if if you become a better you, it, it's amazing how much the world sort of instantly, magically starts to reflect that and come back at you. And all of a sudden, the results you get from people that you're around, the kind of girls you can date, and stuff. It sure. really, it really does start with you. And it, and I think I don't know how we all arrived at that fallacy that well i just need the world to give me something and then i'll pull myself up it just doesn't it doesn't work that way but it's the good news is it really does work the other way which is if you just like go to the gym and stop being an alcoholic you'd be amazed how much things can sort of outwardly change for the better along with you and you said it perfectly i mean that's what we view the art of charm is the podcast the training programs we offer both online for men and women and in person in la It's a gym for your social skills. It's a sharpening of your emotional intelligence, and it's allowing you to see the 
best behaviors in herself and also look at the worst behaviors and, and have an opportunity to change them. I know you have uh, primarily um, male clientele. You have female clients as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the last year, we've branched out and started working with women. And What's have- wrong with them? <laughs> it's it's really funny. There is this myth that women are just more social in general. Right. And that they don't have social anxiety, which is completely untrue. There are a lot of women who feel stuck in their careers, who feel stuck in their dating life, and who are struggling with social anxiety and don't have the tools to get out of it. And in starting the show, it was a male-dominated yeah. show. Our show on Serious Game On was all about men's dating advice. But women started to tune in and say, wait a second here. Guys, you only speak to men, but your stuff works. And we've had female coaches in the company start using these skills in their career. And finally, they just said, we want to start working with women. We feel like this is far more important that we reach a wider demographic. So we started in the past year, and it's been a lot of fun. And I would say from the show, it's slowly... It's now what would you 60, say six, 40, sixty yeah. forty? And I would say really like and well. and we have an online Facebook challenge group uh, that's that's closed, but people can find that. We'll talk about that later. But um, I would say that's at sixty forty as well. I mean, in fact, maybe fifty fifty at this point. I just been seeing more women lately than guys. Yeah, that. we were shocked too. We had no idea that we had that many female listeners. They started writing in. They started asking, hey, I want some coaching on this. Our our male clients were like, hey, my wife, my girlfriend wants this stuff. I came back from the program change. Can you help her? So the demand built up, and now we start offering female programs. What I will say to Johnny's point, you know, the podcast is a great resource to get started learning on this stuff. But ultimately, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is a big mantra for us. So we built out a free challenge of your social skills, putting you in some uncomfortable situations. It's at theartofcharm.com slash challenge with the private Facebook group where you can interact with me and Johnny. We're coaching on there and, and helping support the group. And it's really awesome to see all of these people who maybe back home, they're struggling with this in the shadows. They're afraid to admit to their friends. They feel anxious. They're afraid to admit to their family that they have social anxiety. They don't know where to turn to, to see them all come together in a, in a place like Facebook and use social media for some good has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And and seeing them encourage each other, help each other push through stuff. And someone who went through the challenge last week is now encouraging the new people to get through the challenge. And we try to make it as for something that is can be difficult in older age and maybe a bit embarrassing for some, we try to make it fun. And that this doesn't have to be painful. In the right environment, it can actually be a very fun experience. And I think that's I think we've succeeded there really well. That's why um, the attention to the podcast and why people like like to do a lot of these things. Uh, they they enjoy it. I think it's an opportunity. Uh, to, as I said, to to enjoy learning something that can be a little bit difficult. Okay, great. Well, um, uh, I have to let you go. I'm happy to have met you guys, and I'm happy uh, that the the listeners who uh, told me to have you come by told me to have you yeah, come by. I yeah, I want to thank your listeners for yes. suggesting us, that and was hopefully a, the other listeners check out the show. We're really excited. Thank you. So it's the Art of Charm podcast. You're at the Art of Charm, and that's where they can find all your guys' individual yes. socials. Yep. Let's not muddy the water. Thanks a lot. Thank you. 